0: I used to think because my views were so different from everyone else that I was walking out on this branch and it was getting thinner and thinner and thinner and, you know, I'm hanging on by these tiny little branches and they're just on the verge of snapping. I flipped that because that's not true. That's just not true. I think the majority of Melbournians and Australians are the people hanging on to those tiny little branches.
1: The will to act is itself
0: a renewable
1: resource. Hello and welcome to episode 29 of Climactic, your story on climate change. This show carries on from part one of our interview with Brett Hedger from last week. If you haven't heard that already, I do recommend you go back and check that one out first. As we know, Brett is a sustainability officer at Port Phillips City Council here in Melbourne. but when he's not doing that, he is zero impact man, and in this show, we'll get more into his fifty two week program to live a far more sustainable life. So without further ado, here we go with part two of our interview with Brett Hedger. These are all fantastic just conversation points to bring up with anybody around you, even you know even if some of them you're not quite ready to do yourself or anything, mm-hmm. but as conversation starters. Where did this list come from, and, and how did you
0: come up with it, and how did you
1: programatize it?
0: What, it, what it, I guess tell people about is that the, all the things in the list are things you could easily find out yourself. Mm-hmm. If you just go in, go into any search engine and just type in top 10 sustainability tips, just do that yeah. and see if you're doing them. But then do them forever. Yep. you know, Then just compile them and then start living it and go, oh, this list says this, and then... What does that mean and how does that impact me, my family or, you know, whatever your situation is? How does that impact? Can I keep doing this? What's in, what's needed to keep doing this? You know, s- simple things are like, you know, say you want to buy organic food. Where do you get that from? Mm-hmm. At a, So quite often I travel to Queen Victoria Market. That's a decent old trip. And if I'm doing it on my bike with a backpack with 30 kilograms of produce, yeah, you know, it's difficult. So how can I continue to do that? Catch the train, do this, do that, you know? So it's working through all of those issues. Are there some places locally that I can get some of the organic stuff from? Or can I order it online through Ceres, you know, th- through their... There's over a 1,000 Woolworths supermarkets. There's one Series. Yes. If we all shopped at Ceres, how many Ceres would there be? And how many Woolworths would there be? What does Woolworths do? They sell lots of alcohol lots of tobacco, they're up to their neck in poker machines. You know, there's all kinds of issues. Mm-hmm. Supermarkets don't care about us. Ceres does. Ceres mm-hmm. cares about local farmers. So, see, there's a simple thing. Yeah. you just, all you're doing is stopping going to supermarkets. That's another easy thing to do. Or, if the supermarkets are your main thing, what I, what I say to people is become like a mercenary in, you get in your army fatigues, and that's how you go. That's how you go to into supermarkets. Stay on the outside, yep, and creep around, <laughs> grab the things that you can get, the minimal packaging that you actually need. Stay in the fruit and veg section mm-hmm. and get out as fast as you can. As soon as you start going down those other aisles in the supermarket, you're stuffed. You're trapped. You're in their vortex and <laughs> your hole, and you, you're getting your heart sort of ripped out of your guts. So stay away from supermarkets, but. See the, the power in that? If mm-hmm. suddenly Ceres is inundated, they start opening more places that are, are closer to us. Yes. And so see Ceres also has the education element. They're not... Um, I think they're not-for-profit. They are, uh, yeah. Yeah, so it, it's just this whole community outreach and it's it just involves local farmers. And there's beauty, power, passion and love and warmth in Ceres where... I'm sure you've
1: been to Woolworths. It would be hilarious to think of a Woolworths that's full of love and care and compassion.
0: You you wouldn't recognise the place. No, (laughs) no. And so it's counterproductive for all of us. If, Mm. if, as you said at the start, we believe it's a climate emergency, it's counterproductive for us to go to a supermarket. Yes, it is. And if we do have to go there, act like a mercenary. Yeah. So I was in Coles last week. I just buy... The organic tofu. Mm-hmm. In damage out, I call it. Yeah, get in, grab your thing, get out. You
1: treat them with the same level of respect and care they're treating you. They're a vending yeah. machine for the things you need. Series is a vendor that you know has your interests best at heart,
0: and they're worth the trip to. That's right. It's 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 the potential to create a relationship mm-hmm. with the community. That's right. Whereas big corporates can't do that. No. Yeah. They they pretend they can, mm-hmm. but there's no such thing. It's just a legal entity. It's 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 not something with a heart. That's they true. care about profit. Not the community. And that's that's a key thing. You know, if mm-hmm. Woolworths is at the heart of your community, you need you need to work on things with your other community members to take the heart out of Woolworths and start making, you know, inroads to provide facilities and services and goods that in, come in direct competition with Woolworths but support your community
1: well, It sounds like we need to do a, a whole thing with the whole list or I need to get every single listener to, to
0: come to a seminar or something or a, a talk Well the video is coming out soon Fantastic, you know, that's the, the best way to leverage it <laughs> Mark, just for the listeners, Mark and I were just talking briefly before we started recording in that I did a presentation recently for Zero Impact Man and it was um, videoed, so there will be a video and that really, uh, I think, help people to, to get, guess, yeah. another level of this information. So it's not something we have to discuss everything on the, the yeah. list. Certainly, there's no time to do it anyway yeah, today. That's fine. It's, um, okay. So we the garden. Just didn't
1: realise I was speaking to Howard Hughes. Sorry.
0: Do <laughs> <laughs> you be surrounded by bottles? Yep. Preserved food. There's over mm-hmm. a thousand bottles of preserved food in uh-huh. my house. Wow. Yes. And
1: what? The, the consumption of that f- the fermented, pickled, preserved food yourself,
0: what what kind of percentage of your diet would that make up in a given week? I'd have to guess at that, Mark, that maybe 20 to 40. Wow. Yeah. So you lots of kimchi and pickles and pickled onions. And Not so much onions. the
1: fermented stuff,
0: mm-hmm. the preserved yeah. stuff.
1: Yeah. yeah, because the pickles are a bit more delicate
0: with the whole live culture. Oh, it's, just,
1: it's just... It smells... <laughs>
0: No, I have I have dabbled in yep. um, a range of different fermented <laughs> products. So, and the dabbling leads to hardcore experience. Yeah. Uh, the the thing, my dabbling hasn't extended to you know, uh, I guess a a vocation is is simply time. Mm-hmm. And that's where the community comes in. That's where it's so important. I can do my preserves, but what I find is I, I can't. Go out in the bush as much as I want. If I'm just up to my neck in the kitchen all weekend, Big which question. which preserving does take up a fair bit of time. Mm-hmm. But when I've got as I've got a three year old apricot tree, which I and I'm, I live in a rental house, which I think is important for people to know. Um, I planted nearly thirty fruit trees on that property. I've only been there four years. Wow. The apricot tree is three years was three years old in the last sort of harvest. And I've got over 60 bottles of apricots. Wow. So I've apricots for probably two years, and there's another harvest, hopefully, coming up this year. But the, the point I'm trying to make is that, you know, you might make some sauerkraut or kimchi or something, and you might have 20 bottles of that. And I've got 60 bottles of apricots. Let's just you, do a little... You'd love some kimchi. <laughs> I'd love some kimchi, and I'd love to go for a bushwalk this weekend. Yeah. That's the bit. Yeah. That's the bit, when more of us are doing it, it, it's, it becomes so powerful. Mm-hmm. The, the problem is, you know, with most of us go to supermarkets and most of us are isolated in suburban enclaves and it really is isolating out there. And that's that's another thing that I think is important to talk about. Mm-hmm. And that, that could be a whole other episode, the, the isolation of people who think this way are guided by their hearts and spirit mm-hmm. as opposed to... Other motivational forces. So, yeah, but that little swap thing that starts to create something definitely. Have you had any uptake on that? Do you have anybody oh, no, in your neighbourhood you... I don't swap anything. No, is yeah. that simply because you haven't found anybody yet. Is like I'm just curious. I'm, I'm like, not acti- or... actively looking at the moment, yeah. um, and certainly the place where I live in suburban Melbourne, I don't think is it, you know there's pockets of it, but it's hard. That's hard work too. Yeah, you know, because none of the systems are set up. And that's what, you, what I've found through following all of these things and the things that go beyond them. What, ha, what happens, Mark, is it's like that, that mountain climbing thing. Once you get up to the top of the mountain, you see another mountain, mm-hmm. which you couldn't see at the bottom.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But your view is expanded. And I used to think, I used to think because I was getting further and further out of mainstream sort of population Australia, just, just the way people think, I used to think that I was getting further away I look at it in a different way now that I'm getting closer to the source of life Mm -hmm. and to the heart of life. Mm -hmm. And I used to think it was like this big tree. So there'd just be all these branches. And I used to think because my views were so different from everyone else that I'd come across that I was walking out on this branch and it was getting thinner and thinner and thinner. And I'm hanging on by these tiny little branches and they're just on the verge of snapping. Um, But that's I flipped that because that's not true. This is not true. I think the majority of Melbourneians and Australians are the people hanging on to those tiny little branches. Definitely, I'm in at the centre. I'm I'm hugging that big tree, and I'm thanking that tree for all it has done for all of us. And I'm going closer to that tree. That's
1: right. The way I would have flipped that and looked at it, or the way I would have probably expressed that same thing, was. You know, the way you're living now, people have lived closer to this way of living a lot longer than they have yeah. the way that most of us in mainstream society are living with driving to work, driving to the supermarket. Everything's just consumable and there's zero human or natural interaction you have to have for your life. Yeah. So somebody might say, well, that's that's progress, that's development. And you could say, no, that's aberration. That's doomed to fail. And that's such a a one-off just due to a freak culmination of, yeah, resources Mm. and ignorance that (laughs) you don't realize how doomed that is. And then we, of course, do realize. So that's good. You can, you, you take comfort in that. And I I understand that it can be quite isolating. I'd say just to throw out some, some positives and. Um, uh, websites like ShareWaste that started here in Australia for people to give food and organic scraps to people with worm farms and composts. And to you know, people like me who live in an apartment, I found a guy with a worm farm, started taking my food scraps to him, made friends with him, mm-hmm. interviewed him for the show, got involved with the community garden he's involved with. Even if you use that platform not for compost or food scraps it'd say, hey, I, I pickle. And mm. I bottle food and I preserve food. And you, you, you might find there are some people in your area because there's – they're now – the tools are getting there
0: through sort of these ways we can self-select into those communities. and. I, know, self I that, understand yeah. although I'm familiar with um, yeah. most of those things, the whole, uh, I guess, reliance or this belief that technology will get us out of this mm-hmm. is misplaced completely. You it's know, almost the same thing as the using economics to fix the problems of economics. Electric cars are going to save us. Solar panels are going to save us. That's all just nonsense, Mark. Yeah. It's, There's so just, much energy consumed by the production that, yeah, Well, it uh, would have saved us 50 years ago. The rare earth minerals that are required to make solar panels. Mm-hmm. and what, what Solar panels are not a bad thing in, in concept, op- but what, what they essentially do, they take most people past basic efficiency mm-hmm. and just say, well, you need five kilowatts of solar panels on your roof. Well, okay. 'Cause then you can keep going with your current lifestyle. Yeah. We don't want them to keep going with their current lifestyle because effectively they say, oh, I've got solar panels and I've got a new shower head that only does, you know, seven litres a minute or whatever. I'm done. Yeah. Everything's business as usual. And that's the problem with some of the things I was talking about earlier. All of those programmes, business as usual, business mm-hmm. as usual. Just do this thing. Environmentalism is not valued in any way, shape or form, and that's why the economic system fails us all. As, as much as we, um, and you, uh, you mentioned positivity before. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, you know, get concerned that the message is grim and negative. It, it it's not negative. That's our perception. We've got to come off the. We've got to come off a stable foundation of facts, and that's not negative or positive. That's just facts. And then everything else is positive, because we haven't even settled on the facts yet because we haven't even started to act on global warming. Despite what you may see out there, nobody's started to act. That's the 30 years we were talking about earlier. There's no evidence of action anywhere on the planet. There's pockets of little stories here and there Mm -hmm. but the Keeling Curve has not stopped accelerating its rate of increase. So we haven't started to act yet. We haven't agreed collectively as a species... But that number can't go above 411. We've said, you no, know we've said, mate. And, and we're not completely, we're not completely cognizant of the correlation between temperature and carbon emissions. We know that they are related, and the more carbon, not only carbon but just generally greenhouse gas emissions in the atmosphere, the mm. hotter it's going to get. Basically, the blanket around the atmosphere trapping the heat. So what we're pretending to ourselves now is that we can just magically go up to this artificial line that we've created called 2 degrees Celsius. Mm-hmm. And Paris said it would be great if we get to 1.5. And then just stop. We've got this great big atmospheric body, which we call planet Earth. Yeah. And we're sitting it's down, there. We're, just, we're sitting here like gods, and that's what we think we are, except I can talk. More about that in a moment, if you want. But please, we we're pretending that we're gods and we can bring this thing to a just a gentle stop at two degrees Celsius, and and the two degrees Celsius is going to be okay. For the benefit of the listeners, they're, they're two big, great big myths, and what we've done is project them into the future. We've said, oh, we will just sort that out in 2050, and most of the people saying that. I'm not even going to be here in 2050. Won't I'm going to be, if I'm lucky, I'm going to be a little old man sitting on a porch in 2050. I care about what happens. And that's another thing that what I say to most people is you don't care mm-hmm. enough. And that's the critical part. I know, Mark, you and your listeners care about the environment, but you don't care enough. You don't care enough to act mm-hmm. or I wouldn't have to tell you about. It divesting your superannuation or any of those other kind of things that are on the list, I wouldn't have to tell you that because you have higher priorities.
1: Mm -hmm. You
0: care about the environment, but you don't care enough to act about this thing that you say is an emergency. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. And we've got to stop pretending that we do care if we're not going to prioritise our actions accordingly. To put it to the top of the list... And this is a rather important problem. It doesn't matter what else is on your list. This is more important. That's right. That's, so that's where I'm at. But I don't know anyone else who's, well, you know, there's there's lots of people who are there. But mm. in comparison to the mainstream population in the mainstream sort of Western white countries, up, there isn't anyone doing this stuff at all.
1: Do you mind if I just quickly, because I can speak to that, I think, quite easily like I can identify that in myself and I can throw out one of the reasons why I care and I'm concerned because I can I can see the facts I, and I can imagine the, f- the future I can imagine very easily resource conflict but I know what water scarcity what kind of conflicts that'll lead to and hmm. if we think we've got a boat people problem in Australia now we haven't seen anything but the reason why I don't want to throw, everything else to the wind, make that truly my number one priority. Because, yeah, you're right, right now it's not. I'm, I've got other concerns. Got, I'm concerned about this, but I've got other pressing concerns day to day. The reason why is I don't want to give up enjoying this time a bit, for the sake of everyone else that is, because if if, I've, if my direct action somehow leads to it not happening, then everyone else would have been, oh, cool, we didn't have to give anything up and is solved, or everything does get worse, and it's like, oh, those guys got to enjoy 10, 20, 30 more years of of the blissful end days while I had to be an eco-warrior living in sandals. How practically do you decide to make this the number one priority? Exactly. It's like the, the same level of dedication that monks put to it. And I'm yep. like, I could never be a monk. Yeah. So I could never be a proper, sustainably-minded person.
0: And well, that's what people say about me. You know, what do you do, Brett? Where how do you live? do you live like a monk is that is that your thing so that what they're what they're asking for is a way out mm-hmm. so i won't give that to you today mark i yeah. simply won't give it to you because it's <laughs> not it's not true about the monk thing it does require discipline though mm-hmm. but you're right so i get that isolated by this continuing climbing these mountains and the metaphorical mountain like changed all my food to organic and then i I'm on top of that mountain, but then there's, a, there's another thing. Oh, yeah. There's another mountain. You know, it's, it's way beyond all of those, all those things on the list. You follow all those things to their, their nth degree and then you just, there's just more. Yeah. It's deeper. It's deeper and deeper and maybe that is a, a spiritual kind of journey as well. But if you, you're still down at the bottom of the mountain living high as a hog and, you know, the old consumption ways, well, that has to reach a critical point too. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you're right. That's that's a good question. I think that that's a good question for future discussion. That yeah, do you just give up this this thing that we we've seemingly have, I guess I'm fought. Sure. Yep. Fought for not fought, but um, just feel like, feel like feel like we fought for years to live this luxurious lifestyle. Yeah, this feel like this is the end of development. This is and the- that everyone else wants it, and just more and more things keep coming and new versions of this. And you need some new furniture, and you need a new kitchen, and you need a new car, and you need a new everything. Yep, makes you feel good for a little bit. But what what I found is that. There's, there, there is no happiness in material possessions. Stripping all of that away, uh, happiness, is by being true to yourself and being with like-minded people mm-hmm. who share perhaps not your individual dreams but the collective dreams. So we're working together as a community, mm-hmm. and that's the bit that's missing. Mm-hmm. So there's not enough of us pursuing this, this hardcore dream. Mm-hmm. That's why... All those other things which are perceived as negative, which are just facts. This is a runaway train Mm -hmm. that's fallen off a cliff. (laughs) It's in free fall. And the free fall can only be arrested by a dramatic halt.
1: Mm -hmm. It feels really lame to be putting numbers on it because you get so disillusioned with the 2030s the 2050s the 2100s the way we talk about in climate but can you can you imagine a time in the next hundred years of human history where we are making concerted species-wide real efforts against climate change no I, I, I see it happening when you know when it's New York City that floods when we get that like some iconic image where this is it it's now like we which we know is it's now but those climate things have already happened mark.
0: The yeah. Great Barrier Reef.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I guess so.
0: But all the people did was go up for a last look, and they're still doing it today. They're still flying up there <laughs> you know, to catch a glimpse of the pockets of coral that are still colourful. And they're, they're mad as hell if they just see all the white bleach shit that's dead. Mm-hmm. That was an iconic thing. You're right. To Australians. There's nothing more iconic, it than that. It's yeah. dead, dying in the in the last stages of its life, whether that goes on for, you know, five more years, 20 more years. It's irrelevant. It's dead it's, and dying. Yeah. That didn't do anything because it does. It still hasn't impacted, say, here in Melbourne. Yeah. There is no impact. No. Because we're not part of that world. We're part of sort of concrete world, plastic world. Yeah. It's not like a plastic will be concerned, you know? <laughs> you can't get plastic bags from the shops. Then we'll be up in arms. Yeah. You know? That's only the a couple of weeks, which is nice at least. Protests are dead. Yeah. We're dead. We're dead inside. Mm-hmm. We're dead inside. Most of us are completely unhappy. Working in stupid jobs that have little or no meaning for us. Just trying to make ends meet. And as you what you said before, how does environment fit into that? It can't fit. It's important to you and you like all the destruction to stop. But please don't stop the destructive activities. I, I want that big TV so I can watch the World Cup, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, my team's playing tonight. i really got to
1: see it in uh, a hundred and eight-inch like TV. Less dead inside when I'm watching that.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just going to have a six-pack of beer and watch Australia play, uh, France or some other country. Yeah. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of and that's, that's why I guess this kind of discussion is kind of cool because it's a mature discussion it, mm. it, it starts to open some of those doors of things that people are less are, are not less, but reluctant to discuss. Absolutely So even if it's just a little inroad to an idea that it may spark some kind of thinking, and I think that's what we don't do enough of and when we do do thinking it's in the old way so we think in a Our our thinking's just screwed. Mm -hmm. We think economically, you know. It's like the little kids coming through school. We train them to enter the economy, you know. Grow up, get a job, get married, get kids, buy a car, buy a house. That is no recipe for happiness. When all they needed to uh, imagine, imagine if some of the courses in school you went, it was periods two and three. You were going to love. Yeah, that's 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 the course, and after that you went into spirit. You finish the day off with some artwork, some mm. creativity. And then after school, you did some dance, free-flow dance, not choreographed, mm-hmm. you know, ballet or Chore- ballroom. Art. Yeah. But Free-form, just do whatever you want.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Imagine if that was day one of school and then just carried on. You learnt some numbers and some words yeah. and all that kind of stuff. That's but yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. But this is, it, oh, It's all wrong. Yeah. Which, you know, you compare
1: that version of school to the school we actually have. Which is a lot more regimented and everything. That is maybe a good parallel to the lifestyle you've created compared to somebody living mm. a normal mainstream life. Would you, would you say, Brett, that your way is, is replicable? Are you, is it sustainable for you? Because I know you've you've made these changes and they are life changes. Is this something you can sustain happily for the rest of your life?
0: No. Okay. Probably not because because of the isolation factor. Okay. Um, and so what, it, what it leads to. I recently wrote a book as well, mm-hmm. which is it's not published or anything. But the, the the process of writing a book. What I wanted to do is get a year inside my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what actually goes on in in this. This space of mine, and just put it out there. And essentially, I wrote the book for my two sons, Mm -hmm. and just wanted to tell them, "Well, what's your dad thinking? How did he get to this thought place?" And I also wanted to think about that as well. How did you you see it? How did I get here? And why? It's almost like a burden, Mark. That why do I care so much about the birds Mm -hmm. and the water and the air? And why does everyone else not? In that's a question for me i'm not asking asking anybody for the answer to that i go why is it me that has this burden is it even a burden or is it a gift mm. and i i lean towards the gift but the gift is isolating and it's isolating here at work as well it's it's isolating my private life and it's isolating in my work life it's isolating to other environmentalists mm-hmm. because they they certainly don't do these things on this this list that, you know, sitting on the table. So is it sustainable over time? Every time I go to give up, I don't give up. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really important point. It would be easy, but then the, the, the point is, if you care, you'll feel that force field mm-hmm. and you won't buy things in packets. And you might start, say, say that would be another challenge I would present to you. You can't ever buy anything in, its, in a packet. Mm-hmm. Everything ultimately comes in packets, but don't buy the little packet. You that's know what true. I mean? Yep. So all the, the chickpeas that you get from the whole food store, you know, they come in a big box or a big container, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you reuse it. And, yeah, you know, that's really what mad. I was referring to before. You know, the, the holes that people try and pick in me. Oh, he uses dental floss. But what I say to people about dental floss, so I don't have rubbish bins at home. So no need for rubbish bins on the street, so I don't have to worry about bin night. Let's floss my teeth. And what I say to people is that if, if we're that far down the track and the only thing, let's say the only problem we've got left Mark, is dental floss, do you think we could apply our collective nous and yes. intelligence to solving the dental floss issue? Definitely. Did, I mean, if that was the last a, problem. It's yeah. a 0.0001%, but then people use that as as a thing. He's using this sort of plasticky coated, comes in a little plastic container. He uses dental floss. How can he be the zero-impact man? It's, it's the old 80 or 90-10, 80-20 type rule that, quite frankly, we've dealt with 80% of those big issues, which are really quite easy to deal with. And then we just, we're all working on the 20%. Mm -hmm. The the thing is, we're not working on any percent. Yeah. That's the problem. We don't even buy recycled toilet paper. We we go on about being what you referred to before about the food waste and stuff, but we all go on about, oh, yeah, we put our stuff in the recycle bins. But there's nobody in Australia who even buys recycled goods, stuff made from the stuff that goes in our bins. Mm Mm-hmm walk into any supermarket and try and find recycled toilet paper made from 100% post-consumer Australian waste in paper packaging. Even the stuff in paper packaging comes in plastic packaging.
1: Yeah.
0: And we still don't buy it. But you see <laughs> see the problem, mate? We go on and on and on and on about recycling stuff, but we don't really buy the stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, create then, then the thing came up recently about the recycling crisis. Yep. And that would have been the first anybody had any inkling that all this was going to China.
1: Yeah, it was, yeah. It
0: was. And you go, it's going to China. And still nobody cared. Mm-hmm. But little kids in China are picking over our, our waste and we call it recycling.
1: That's right.
0: This is <laughs> negative. These are just facts. facts. These yeah. are just facts. That's right. <laughs> Recycling, the recycling crisis started when we started recycling. That's yeah. when it started, yeah. back in the 80s. Because it was a band-aid,
1: not a system system change.
0: Because we didn't, we didn't set up things that actually manufacturing and transport facilities to put that straight back into the system. Yeah, we didn't feel there was need. The
1: only time it
0: really worked was
1: you know, recycling during the World Wars where there was a brand new set of industries set up so you didn't have to retrofit yeah. anything for consumers. It was, you're, consu- you're, you're
0: recycling your aluminum can because that's going into a tank shell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and they still litter the world. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other thing, so Zero Impact Man says, don't recycle. Just don't you Don't buy you, in the first you, place. You've got a container, that's your container for life. Yeah. If you can't refill it, don't use the product. Mm-hmm. So if it's a single-use container... You never use it. You never, ever, ever. So you, you know, you walk into that coffee shop or wherever it is you buy your stuff. It's a single-use container. You don't pick it off the shelf. Mm-hmm. You just don't pick it off. You have got that force field going again. Oh no, zero impact man's watching me. You, I can't take this. All this effort goes in. One of one of my fav- most beautiful favorite products is glass. Mm-hmm. To throw it in a recycled bin, and then smash it, and then. Turn it into road base or insulation bats or some other thing. People think that it comes back as a glass bottle. It's some do, yeah, granted, but most don't. They yeah. they go in a, a, a lower level chain of the the yeah. recycling process. But people are disconnected from those things, so it's it's really important to think about those kind of things as well. It absolutely is. It's one of the other things that I offer people. Mark is just this experience across just about every facet of this, because, and it's that ex- it's that deep dive. Do it. Mm-hmm. What I found with most other people and people who talk about it, they just don't have the experience. So, yeah, if you haven't done it, it's like you know that whole teach the man to fish or you know yeah, give the him man some fish or whatever whatever that, that sort of saying is. There is no substitute for direct experience. You want to know how to change your superannuation, and you want to know what it feels like, and you want to know what, it, what that whole process is like. Yeah. Just do it. Just do it. Stop waiting for the easy way. And there's there's some hard things, but you know a lot of people have done a lot of hard work. It's it's not like you're starting anything from scratch. All this stuff has been known about for the best part of half a century. That's right. All the solutions are already known. Some of the solutions aren't very good. Some are good. All of it's known. Yeah. Uh, we're just not doing any of it. And welcome
1: back, folks. We really hope you've enjoyed that. It was a great opportunity to have Brett sit down and talk to me for that long. And it was just too good to get down into one episode. So we hope you enjoyed that. The show next week will be quite different. But I hope you enjoyed this somewhat deep dive into the real hard edge of sustainability and a real eyes-open look at what it would take to live a zero-impact life. I hope that you, like me, though, did take away that there are some really powerful, important things we can all do in our lives right now, especially moving our super funds out of wherever they currently are and into funds that don't invest in fossil fuels and other things that are just incompatible with the kind of world we want to see. If you do feel inspired to take up any of Brett's challenge, please do let us know. I'd love to hear how you get on and how you find it. And if you have any thoughts at all on the episode, any feedback, I'd love to hear that as well. Just let me know at Climactic Show on Facebook and Twitter, or drop me an email at hello at climactic.fm. And on behalf of the whole team here at Climactic, I'd like to thank you for tuning back in, and we hope to see you again next week. Thanks, as always, to co-founder Rich Bowden, producer Caleb Fidicaro, designer Abigail Hawkins, composer Greg Rossi, and senior advisor Gretchen Miller. And a special thank you to our guest, Brett Hedger. The Climactic Collective